You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into Friday, October 8th episode of Locked On Cardinals. I am your host, Lucas Smith. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that my Twitter is right here, at LJFastball. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, at LO underscore Cardinals. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, you see me repping a little bit of Mizzou here, as it is homecoming here at the University of Missouri this weekend. So we got the Cardinal hat, but still wanting to rep Mizzou a little bit today as well. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. Whether you are on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe when possible. Hit the notification on the YouTube channel to be notified when a episode goes live, as well as tell your friends and family and leave a rating on iTunes when possible as well. And email the show anytime at LockedOnCards at gmail.com. Cardinal season has now been over for just uh, just about two days as we uh, sit here on this Friday Give me, give, give, giving us a little bit more time to kind of relax, think back at the season that was. Because as I talked about on yesterday's episode, if you missed it, I gave a lot of credit to the 17-game win streak for the Cardinals to be able to claw back from being down, from the atrocious, really bad June that they had, to be put in that position. A lot of things had to go their way. I talked about that extensively throughout the run. Things went their way. Yes, they earned it by winning 17 games. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. They definitely wasn't handed to them by any stretch of the imagination. But you had a a collapse or at least an underperforming of the Padres, Reds, Padres and Reds to end that season that aided that run for the Cardinals or aided the postseason um, birth for the Cardinals. And there's just really little to no questioning that. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about looking, looking deep into some numbers. Who performed? Who underperformed? I got a surprise comparison as well. And Randy Rosarena, the former Cardinal, made headlines again last night. This time last year, a lot of us were talking about should the Cardinals have traded Bader instead of Rosarena. Don't think many of us are saying that right now. So we'll talk about that on today's episode um, coming up in just a little bit. Today, we are brought to you today. The title sponsor of today's show uh, is Spotify Green Room. So be sure to download the app and find one of our Locked On Rooms. We're going to start with pitching because, as you all know, if you've been listening to the show for even a day and a half, you know that I love some pitching. So we're going to start with the Cardinals pitching stats numbers um, and kind of look at who, who performed, who underperformed. Uh, we're, we're going to start with, with somebody who, in my opinion, overperformed. Adam Wainwright, 206 and the third innings pitched, 17 and 7 and 32 starts, 305 ERA, ERA plus of 127. The average there is 100, a whip of 1.06. 7.6 Ks per nine. Only 50 walks in those 206 in the third innings. 174 strikeouts. His best season, best full season since 2014. Best overall season since 2016 because the season was better than last, if you ask me, by many of the metrics. He was the Cardinals' ace. We're going to do awards next week, talking about MVP, Cy Young, reliever of the year, rookie of the year. All those things will be talked about next week. So I don't want to spoil anything, but Adam Wainwright was the best starting pitcher and arguably the best pitcher on the roster. Take that for what it's worth, but the, he was phenomenal. He, he was just phenomenal. ERA plus, like I said, above average. There just can't be enough things said about Adam Wainwright. Yes, it was a disappointing way to end his season with the not-so-dominant start against the Los Angeles Dodgers, but he still pitched very well for the most part. And it was just one of those things that he wasn't able to go any deeper. His stuff wasn't sharp early, so he had to gut through a little bit. 
He got it through, gave up the one home run to Justin Turner. But he, he did so many things for the Cardinals this season. He played stopper. He pitched well whenever the other staffs – he set an example for the rest of the staff. He continued a streak when he needed to continue. Did not always – very rarely, rather, I guess I should say, pitch bad after a bad start. So you didn't see too many clunkers in a row for Adam Wainwright. He, he was phenomenal. There's little to no other way to put it, and there, in my opinion, aren't enough positive superlatives for what Adam Wainwright did this year. The numbers say what the numbers say, but you look at the intangible aspect of it, of his leadership on and off the field, and you look that he is doing this in his age 39 season. He's 40 now, but he was 39 on opening day, so it's his, this is his age 39 season. Remarkable. He, he earned the right to start that wild card game. Because I think if you ask most Cardinal fans who's starting a wild card game on opening day, like if you ask the Cardinals on opening day, okay, Cardinals are going to make the wild card game. Who are you going to have started? Initial reaction, Flaherty. Flaherty is, my, Flaherty is the number one. Flaherty got hurt, wasn't able to do it. Behind Flaherty, yeah, most guys probably would have gone Wainwright, but I don't think we would have felt as confident in April about Adam Wainwright starting than we did in October. Stepped up huge. I mentioned Jack Flaherty. Let's dig into his numbers. His final line for the season wasn't all that bad. Was it a Jack Flaherty-type season? No, because he was hurt for most of the year. He ended up appearing in 17 games, 15 of those starts, 3-2-2 ERA, 9-2 record, ERA plus 121, whip of 1.06, 9.8Ks per nine. That was the highest rating, highest strikeouts per nine total of any Cardinal starter this season. When he was healthy, he was very very good. He was on a roll before he got hurt back in June. He was even, even in the game against the Dodgers, when he got hurt, he was on a roll in that specific game. So I'm not going to go through each and every one of the guys, but I'm, I'm going to get a couple highlights. One guy that, that I don't think I expected to see the numbers be this good were K.K. Kim. If I were to tell you that K.K. Kim was one of two Cardinals this year to pitch over 100 innings, would you believe me? I, I would not have guessed it. K.K. Kim totaled 106 and two-thirds innings this year. Adam Wainwright obviously was 206. No other Cardinal came even remotely close. Next closest was Carlos Martinez at 82 and a third innings pitched this season, which also shocked me. Giovanni Gallegos got 80 and a third, but no other start, full-time starter came to uh, 100 innings this season. So credit to K.K. Kim there. Do I think he should be in the starting rotation next season? We'll see. We'll talk about that as the offseason goes on. But, you know, initial, you know, the, the, the numbers actually point to be pretty good. 112 ERA plus, overall ERA 3.46, uh, fielding independent pitching a little high at 434, whips a little high at 1.3, but overall solid. KK Kim was on a stretch there in the middle of the season where he was, you know, I, I hesitate to say unhittable, but he was dominant. So those are kind of the three starters I want to mention. Obviously, we, we, we've talked extensively about J.A. Happ and John Lester. Um, just having a f- phenomenal year, especially for their ages. Um, J.A. J. Happ and John Lester both doing best-case scenarios for the Cardinals, which is what I said that they would have to do. And w- with the Cardinals last season, uh, J.A. Happ going 4-1, and 5-2 uh, rather, with a 4 ERA. John Lester going 4-1 uh, and one with a 4-3-6. Obviously, those are not the total numbers for their seasons. Uh, if you look at the, the, the total number, they, they definitely got better when they – started appearing for the Cardinals because uh, total for the year Adam Wainwright was set or John Lester excuse me was seven and six of four seven one in 141 in the third innings and J.A. Happ um, overall in the year was 10 and eight with 152 in the third innings um, 
But with the Cardinals, they were much better than what those overall numbers show, as I just got into a little bit. So, yes, Jay Happen and John Lester were over 100 innings, but with the Cardinals is... Um, I don't know if I said that or stipulated that, but still, KK came was impressive um, getting over the 100-inning mark. So p- starting pitching-wise, not as bad as, as we would have thought. Yes, you got the Daniel Ponce de Leon that, that, that struggled. Um, Wade, Wade LeBlanc pitched pitched okay, so you got can't forget about him. His ERA was under four. He made some starts for the Cardinals. Miles Michaelis had a good stretch run near the end of the season. Starting wasn't terrible. It's it's the bullpen that is when we start to get into some question question marks. Alex Reyes, we've, we've talked about how he struggled near the end of the season, and obviously we talked about how he struggled in the wild card game, but the overall numbers for Alex Reyes over the course of the whole season weren't really terrible. 3-2-4 ERA, 10-8 record, 29 saves, an ERA plus of 120, whip of 135. So the whip is really high for bullpen people. I mean, for those who don't know, when I mentioned ERA plus, that t- basically is a ballpark factor takes take the ballpark you're pitching into effect. Um, and, and like I said, the baseline there is 100. Above 100 is above average. Below is below. Giovanni Diego has had the best year of the bullpen. There's, there's no doubt about it. 80 in the third innings pitch to 302 ERA. ERA plus of 129. That is the highest outside of TJ McFarland's 153 and Cody Whitley's 158, but Cody Whitley only in 25 games. Um, and fielding, fielding independent pitching was 275. Fielding independent pitching basically tries to guess your ERA, or not guess, predict, not even predict, calculate your ERA with a league average defense behind you. So that's a solid number, and his whip was below one. Walks plus hits over innings pitched. Giovanni Gallegos was phenomenal. Yes, he went through a couple stretches here and there. That, that's why you see the ERA be bloated, but the, the sabermetrics still are very kind to Giovanni Gallegos. So these numbers aren't terrible, and some of them are aided by great Septembers, and most of those, the, the aiding that I'm talking about will come out of the offense, which is what we're going to be talking about in segment number two. But the, the headliners of Adam Wainwright, Giovanni Gallegos, in my opinion, those, those are the t- two top arms in the Cardinals st- system this year. Obviously, T.J. McFarland, Luis Garcia did a phenomenal job. Cody Whitley had a good stretch to end the season. K.K. Kim had nice stretches. But I think when you look overall at the scope of everything, from opening day to the final day of the season, Giovanni Gallegos and Adam Wainwright are the two top arms, in my opinion. Bare minimum, Adam Wainwright is the top starter, and Gio is the top reliever. Going into next year, obviously I'm not saying Wainwright should start opening day or anything, but when you look at their 2021s, they're the most solid. Time to look at the offense now. As the Cardinals had some incredible names come to, or an incredible name to join Paul Goldschmidt at the uh, at the two corners with Nolan Arenado joining. So we'll look at his numbers. Were they good? Were they bad? Based on his career norms. Talk about other offensive players as well. And then again in segment number three, talking about some Randy Orozarena because that subject never seems to go away. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up here in just a short moment. But first, I want to tell you about the best tasting protein bars in the business. And they are Built Bar. I'll give you three reasons why you need to buy Built Bar. Number one, they are tasty. Here are the nine flavors. They get, you got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint, brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. That does not include the occasional limited time flavors. They're all covered 100% in chocolate. I order the double chocolate every time I order. So you get yourself a mixed box as well. You'll get two of each of those flavors. If you're thinking, okay, they might be tasty, but are they healthy? My reason number two, they are healthy for you. You've got 17 to 18 grams of protein, calorie drainage from 130 to 180, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So that's two. Reason number three, 
you can save yourself some money. Go to Built.com, enter the promo code LOCKED15. Just for listening to this show, you can save yourself some money on the best tasting protein bars in the business. LOCKED15 gets you 15% off your order at Built.com. So these bars are tasty. They are healthy, and you will save money when you order with the promo code LOCKED15. You can't go wrong. Get yourself a mix box. Get the double chocolate. Get whatever you'd like at Built.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar. Offensively, we're going to start with Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado was the, the key acquisition in the offseason. It was a steal at, at the time. I still think it ended up being a steal based on what the Cardinals gave up. Some of these trades you can't always judge until years down the road. This one, as of right now, is a Cardinal winner. Nolan Arenado is the perfect Cardinal. Shows up, works every day, day in, day out. Great fielder, great hitter, great person, great competitor. All wrapped up into one phenomenal player. When you look at Nolan Arenado's 162-game average, so his numbers per 162, he's got a batting average, he's got a slash line of 288, 345, 535. So those three numbers, batting average on base and slugging, they were all down this year. Batting average 255, on base 312, slugging 494, for an OPS, which is on base plus slugging, 807. And his career line for 807, um, per 162 is 880. So not, and th- those would be a little bit below average. But we're, we're, these two numbers I'm going to mention were right at or right barely below average. 34 home runs, 105 driven in. Average over 162 for Nolan Arnano, 35, 113. Very close. And the RBIs are, can be very subjective as to what situations you're hitting in. His OPS plus, 121. Very similar to ERA plus, OPS plus, the baseline average is 100. Above 100 is above average hitting, and below is below. 121 was his mark this season, and that is his per 162 game average. Had 34 doubles on average per 162. He hits 39. And this is kind of whopper jot a little bit because of the 48-game season he played last year, but he played 157 games. And it took him, in my opinion, a little while to get adjusted to the St. Louis Cardinals. Anytime there's a trade like this that that player can take a little bit while to adjust, I think it just simply took Nolan Arnato a little bit while to adjust. So while his numbers might have been a, just a touch, other than the average and on base, which were significantly lower, um, but everything else was just a touch below his average. He struck out less, 96 strikeouts compared to his per 162 of 102. Usually he gets about 683 plate appearances. This season he got 653, so again, a little bit lower there. But again, it wasn't 162 games. So the numbers might have been a touch low, just a touch low. He, he's still a franchise-altering player. He is still top one of, if not the top, um, third baseman in the entire league, plain and simple. So I don't say that he's a just a touch below his career norms per 162 because to point out that he was awful. No, he was still exceptionally good and the the best third baseman on the team in the division, in the league, arguably in the game. Let's go across the diamond. Let's go to Paul Goldschmidt. 33 season for Paul, age 33 season for Paul Goldschmidt. Played in one more game than Nolan did at 158. And this was arguably, maybe not even arguably, that this was his best season as a Cardinal. 294 average, 365 on base, 514 slugging. 
When you look at his per 162 game average, his average is 293. So he's right on the mark there, just even a little bit over. His on base is just a little bit lower. 389 is the average, 365, slugging 514 compared to 521. So again, right there at that mark. On average, he's hitting 31 home runs. He had 31 home runs this season. 102 RBIs is the average per 162, and 99 is what he ended up this season. So when you look at the corners, first base and third base, Cardinals got production. And arguably, they got production like from never before. So Paul Goldschmidt, he had a higher average last season, but his home run rate was way down. Obviously, wasn't a full season, but he only had six home runs last season. On base was a little bit low this season, but his slugging was the highest it's been since 2018. OPS plus of 143, way above average. He had a 145 OPS plus last year and a 115 OPS plus in his first season as a Cardinal. His career OPS plus is 142, and like I mentioned, 143, very, very solid. The numbers don't lie when you're looking at Paul Goldschmidt. He had a great, phenomenal, fantastic year. We'll talk about outfield a little bit in segment number three when we compare to Randy Rosarena. So let's finish up the infield a little bit here for the Cardinals. Yadier Molina got off to an exceptional start, but still just not trying to be a Yadi hater or anything of that nature. 121 games this year, which is remarkable in his age 38 season as a catcher. OPS plus of 86. Um, batting average 252 on base 297. Slugging 370. OPS of 667. 11 home runs, 66 runs driven in. Yeah, he, and he was very good with runners in scoring position. He had his moments, but you need to keep him fresh more. So I think that's why next season, if he's able to split time a little bit, he's able to stay stay fresh a little bit. Tommy Yemen on base is really down from what you want from leadoff hitter at 308. He had 41 doubles. Most doubles on the Cardinals by a long shot. Next closest was Nolan Arenado with 34. He can hit extra base hits. He knows how to slug. That's why his slugging percentage was 387. That's a pretty high slugging compared to the batting average of 262. Doesn't walk much. Only walked 38 times this season, which is why the on base was 308. But when you got a guy hitting 41 doubles a year, not going to complain too much. Maybe he's not a leadoff hitter, and that's fine. You can argue that. But 41 doubles speaks for himself. He also had three triples, which was uh, second most in the team behind Sosa's four and Dylan Carlson's four. Let's talk about Amundo Sosa and Paul DeYoung. Nice little transition there. You like that? Paul DeYoung played 113 games, got 402 plate appearances, 356 at-bats. Amundo Sosa only got 326 plate appearances and 288 at-bats, but they played in the same number of games. Amundo Sosa, 113. Paul DeYoung, 113. More starts for Paul DeYoung. You know, obviously, like I said, more plate appearances and things of that nature. But some of those games for Sosa were coming in defensively or coming in uh, just for an at-bat or two rather than three or four. But Amundo Sosa did the most with his playing time. Slash line of 271, 346, 389, slugging's a touch low. But an OPS plus of 106 and an on-base plus slugging of 735. So he's, he's getting hits, he's getting on base, and he's hitting extra base hits. The OPS is basically the combination, as I mentioned, of on base. So how often you get on base plus how often you slug a baseball. He had four triples, eight doubles, drove in 27, hit six home runs. Bare minimum, you, you, in my opinion, you're saying Sosa's a league average hitter. Bare minimum. But when you look at, when you compare that to Paul DeYoung, who this is a player that Mundo Sosa took the spot of, Mundo Sosa has a higher batting average, a higher on base, and a higher a, a slugging percentage lower by one point. 
So yes, Paul Young is definitely the, the power option. He's, he had 19 home runs, 10 doubles, compared to six home runs, eight doubles, and four triples for Sosa. DeYoung did mix in a triple there as well. OPS plus at 86. On-base plus logging of 674. So not getting on base, not hitting extra base hits. Two things you need from everybody in your lineup, and especially if you're going to call Paul DeYoung a power hitter, he needs to do it more often. He can hit, Paul DeYoung can go on a stretch and carry a team. I know that. But it's, it's the peaks and flows that are way too high and way too low for my liking. So I, I, if the Cardinals don't go out and sign somebody this offseason, which I really think they should, Amundo Sosa's got to be the starter for me. Bench-wise, there wasn't a lot of bench production for the St. Louis Cardinals this season. Matt Carpenter had three home runs, 11 doubles, and a four, 249 plate appearances, 207 at-bats. Remember when Justin Williams was starting on opening day? Didn't last very long. Andrew Kisner didn't really produce that much in limited playing time. So a bench bat needs to be a priority. Bench bat needs to be a priority. A power, a threat bench bat. So offensively speaking, again, there are some things to like, but it's it's the the, the, the streakiness. In You could argue it's the streakiness of today's game, but it's the streakiness of the Cardinals players, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, the peaks and valleys, however you want to talk about it. It's those things that are most concerning to me. Because some of the, sometimes, even Harrison Bader, who we'll talk about in second number three, even Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, they, they can all look lost at the plate at certain moments of this season, and they did. But when they're right, oh boy, it's this a deadly lineup. Just got to find some consistency. This offense, this outfield, if it finds consistency, the league needs to watch out. I mean, holy cow. This outfield is legit. And there was a time last season when many of us, myself included, was questioning the Cardinals. Why would you trade away Randy Rosarena when you could have had Harrison Bader? We didn't know Randy Rosarena was going to go off like a madman in the postseason. But still, you had to see, at least see that that talent at that time might have been better than Bader's, right? Maybe we, and myself included in that we, were too quick to judge. Even though Randy Rosarena had an incredible moment again last night, stealing home, we're going to take a little bit of a breakdown of the Cardinals compared to Randy Rosarena in the last two seasons. So we'll, take, we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But first, I'm going to tell you about one of our wonderful sponsors that have been a sponsor for a long time, and that is Bet Online. You like to win money? This is the way to do it. Bet Online is the number one stop on all the pro and college football action this season. There was a game last night, college football this, this weekend, obviously. Mizzou's homecoming. You can bet on them, bet on the NFL. They have a new updated site and interface, so you have more odds, more props, more contests, more ways to win money. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up on your first deposit. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, to receive that bonus. Whether it's football, basketball, boxing, or your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. Randy Rosarena was traded away from the Cardinals in the Jose Martinez Matthew Libertor deal. We're going to take a look at his numbers in the last two seasons, 2020 to 2021, compared to this current Cardinal outfield. Because there might be some of you out there still thinking the Cardinals should have kept Rosarena, but who do you give up? 
The numbers might have an obvious answer, so we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about why there really isn't an obvious answer. Randy Rosarena, all these numbers I'm about to mention are from 2020 to 2021, so last season and this season, regular season only. It's an important point, regular season only. Randy Rosarena, slash line, that's batting average on base slugging, 275, 359, 479. That's an OPS of 838. Harrison Bader slash line, 258, 327, 457, OPS 784. Probably not as bad as some of you thought. Dylan Carlson, 255, 328, 425. Tyler O'Neill, 261, 331, 515. Harrison Bader was aided by a strong last year, a strong month in July and September this year. Tyler O'Neill aided by a strong year this season. Tyler O'Neill over the cross, two seasons, 41 home runs, 99 RBI. Dylan Carlson, 21 home runs, 81 RBI. Harrison Bader, 20 and 61. And Randy Rosarena, 27 and 80. If you look at across those, those last two seasons, plate appearances for each player. Rosarena, 680. Harrison Bader, 536. He was hurt a little bit. Dylan Carlson, 738. Tyler O'Neill, 694. OPS plus for each one of these players, and then I'll start to get into the breakdown of these. I know this is a lot of numbers to throw at you. Randy Rosarino, 137 OPS plus, 116 Bader, 109 Carlson, 132 O'Neill. So the numbers might say that Randy Rosarino is the best out of these three. But in my opinion, when you gel these three outfielders together, Bader, Carlson, O'Neill, there's really not one that I want to give up for Randy Rosarino. And I'm not trying to be biased. I'm not trying to take anything away from Randy Rosarena. I, I just think that the, these three together are better than a Randy Rosarena. And even, even Randy Rosarena's outfield. I think Randy Rosarena does a nice job in Tampa Bay to where he's comfortable. And Bader, Carlson, O'Neill do a nice job in St. Louis. The numbers might say you, you give up Dylan Carlson. But you got to look past the numbers a little bit. I started with the numbers. Now we're going a little deeper. you got to... You don't want to just go based on the numbers for these number of reasons. Dylan Carlson struggled mightily his first call-up, showed improvements, and has shown improvements this season. Harrison Bader was limited by injury this season, so his numbers are down a little bit because he had exceptional July and September. Tyler O'Neill didn't play all that much last season because he struggled. This season, he was hurt and still put up career numbers. He was hurt a little bit at the beginning of the season, if you don't remember. Rainier Reyes Arena has the second most games played among these four gentlemen, the most played appearances, and the third highest at-bats. The on-base is really the only thing that I give a significant edge to in Randy Rosarena. The, yes, he's got a higher average, but average doesn't mean everything in today's game anymore. On-base is definitely the highest, but slugging, you know, Dylan Carlson is the lowest, Bader's right there, and O'Neill's got a higher one. I think all four of these people are remarkable baseball players who will do fine. But I'm looking back, especially if Libertor ends up being, maybe not even like number one Hall of Fame level pitcher, if he ends up being solid, there's still an argument to say the Cardinals won this trade because then you didn't have to give up Bader, O'Neill, or Carlson. So the numbers might say, yes, a Rose Rand is the better player in the regular season over the last two years, two seasons. And yeah, Bader, O'Neill, Carlson didn't show up in the playoffs this year, or in the playoff game this year. And Bader didn't show up in the wild card round last year. Randy Rosarena has shown up in every single postseason round he's played in in two seasons. But I still think it's tough for me to, to say I'd rather have Rosarena than any one of the Cardinal three. And yeah, that might be a little bit biased. I understand that. I'm sure Ulysses and, and Kevin over at Locked on Rays might have a different thought in their 
glad that they got rid of Libertor for Randy Rosarena. But I still think, given time, the Cardinals might end up winners in that deal because they got to keep all three of their current outfielders who are putting up great numbers, and they're going to get a Matthew Libertor. Time will tell, but it seems that we're never going to stop talking about Randy Rosarena. That's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, be sure to be watching postseason baseball. I'll come at you again on Monday next week where we'll start our award breakdown for this season. Um, be sure, sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals. Follow me on Twitter at LJ Passball for all your Cardinals coverage. Until I talk to you guys again, enjoy the postseason this weekend. Enjoy football. Be sure to listen to other Locked On shows and stay safe, stay well, and be sure to have a fantastic day.